lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced. If someone should rise from the dead, he speaks you from the place they lost Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. So why do we read from the Bible? This might seem obvious to us. Why do we read from the Bible? We hear the readings from the Bible in the liturgy, in every single liturgy, and we hear about Christ's life, we learn about Christ. We learn from the writings of St. Paul, how he teaches us to live a Christian life. We, We can read in the Old Testament and learn many things. But learning is not the why. Learning is what we do. So why do we read from the Bible? There's a prayer that's said silently by the priest before the Gospel reading. And that prayer begins, Shine within our hearts, Master who loves mankind. We read from the Bible to have a change in our hearts. This is why we hear the readings of the Epistle and the Gospel, every single liturgy, every day that we read from the Bible, is to have that change in our heart. The heart is a very central part of our spiritual life. If you recall, our Lord says, To love God... With all your heart. He says to forgive your brothers from your heart. St. Paul says, believe in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, he says in another place. In another place, do the will of God from your heart. Sanctify the Lord from your heart. I made the point yet. You see, we have this tendency when we hear the gospel. To hear it with our mind. We hear the words. We learn about Christ, His life, His teachings. We hear from those apostles about the ways that we should live our Christian life. And all of this we do in our mind. It becomes an intellectual exercise. Maybe we try to memorize some things. But it goes into our mind. And if you're like me or many of us, we forget about it. It goes out of our mind. This past week at the clergy national retreat, we had the speaker Archimandrite Zacharias from the monastery of St. John the Baptist in Essex, England. He's written a number of books. Some of you might have read them, The Enlargement of the Heart, a number of other books. And he is the spiritual grandchild of St. Silouan of Mount Athos. And he talked again and again about the heart and about the center of the heart in our spiritual lives about how do we enlarge our heart, what do we do to affect our heart and our spiritual lives. And he says, uh, he said in his talks, he said, the only way to connect with God is with a contrite heart. 
If we don't have pain in the heart, we can't relate with God. How can we be members of Christ's body without pain if he wore a crown of thorns? So we see we must strive to be changed by the word of God. Not simply hear it in our minds, but to listen within our hearts. And when we are pierced in our hearts, when we have that compunction, then we will see God's intervention. We will see God to work in our lives. Each time that we hear the scriptures, we have an opportunity for a change. We have an opportunity to be pierced. So, of course, it begs the question, how do we, allow our, how do we make ourselves hear with our hearts? This doesn't sound very intuitive, does it? But this is what we must do. Well, that begins by being prayerful, entering into the readings of the Scriptures prayerfully, attentively, listening closely. And there's a simple trick that I also want to mention, and that is to put yourself into the reading. And what do I mean by that? When we hear the Gospel readings, put yourself into that. Today's gospel is one, it's a profound profound parable, but it's also one that's kind of hard to put yourself into. We hear about this rich man who feasts sumptuously every day, who wears these fine linen clothes, and he has this poor man, Lazarus, right outside his door. He sees him day in and day out, no, no doubt. And Lazarus, all he wants, he doesn't want a big meal, just the crumbs from the table is all he's looking for. And his only consolation is that he has these dogs coming in to lick his sores. And then, of course, we hear about how Lazarus is carried up to heaven and the rich man dies. And then this exchange between the rich man and Abraham, in which Abraham, the rich man is begging for a little bit of relief from the torment that he's experiencing. And Abraham says that there's a chasm between and that you had your, your good things in this life And now in the next life, the bad things. And Lazarus had the bad things in life. And now he's receiving some level of consolation, being there in Abraham's bosom. So we hear this story and we think, you might think, how can I put myself into that? Because our tendency would be to say, oh, that horrible rich man. He's such a bad man. We might even think of some bad rich people that we know of. When then we look at Lazarus and we say, poor Lazarus. But none of that has a change in our own hearts. We have to enter into it. And how do we enter into that? Say, how can I be like Lazarus? How can I be like Lazarus? How can I strive to be like that? Patient and enduring tribulation. You know, in one of the uh, one of the uh, commentaries on the gospel said that Lazarus never blasphemed the Lord like Job. And how do we know this? Because he was carried up by the angels to heaven. So even though he was sitting there with all of those pains, he never blasphemed. Instead, he patiently endured it. We can also accept what comes to us. We can have the patience to accept tribulation and not expect deliverance. And we can be persistent. You see, he kept sitting at that door. He was persistent. And also, he was known by God. Because the rich man was not known by God. He had no name. We have some jets flying overhead. But the real surgery on our heart comes, on our spiritual heart, when we say, how am I like the rich man? Or how am I like any of those unlikable people in the Bible? And there are a lot of unlikable people. 
If we look at those unlikable people, we say, ah, those are bad people. But we don't bring it into ourselves, then we don't receive that opportunity for change. So how am I like the rich man? How do I clothe myself in worldly glory and in beauty that's a passing beauty? How do I fare sumptuously every day on food, on entertainment, on the internet, on our own pride, our envy? How do we feed ourselves continuously with these things? How do I ignore the needs of those around me? How do I day after day walk past people with needs and all I can see are my own needs and focus on my own needs? How do I lack the faith to believe in all that the prophets and the apostles have said? These are ways in which we can begin that surgery on our hearts. And as we do that, as we are pierced with compunction, we tear away the callous layers that exist, then God will enlarge our hearts. God will expand our hearts. And through that, we will be able to even more see ourselves in those people in the Gospels and then draw ourselves closer to God. And it becomes a perpetuating cycle. So may we start with repentance. May we have that compunction and listen with our hearts every time we have the opportunity. Amen.